Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. Let me ask you something. If I were to tell you that I'm going to share an insight, a revelation, something that is so phenomenal that would change everything about your life today, what would you think? You know, I'll tell you what I would think. I would think that guy's a con artist. You know something? I, when, I, when I first got saved, I went to a little denominational church. Great church, great people. I'm so thankful for what I learned while I was there. But basically, they, they never offered anything more than just, uh, this is how you get saved. And, you know, if you were already saved, if you were already walking with God, there was virtually nothing offered to you every week. Well, then, you know, I started going to charismatic or what they'd call spirit-filled churches, and, uh, you know, I went from nothing being offered to what we're going to preach to you today is going to change your life. This is the truth that you need. And I remember just being a little skeptical. It's like, you know, I'm looking for truth. I need truth. I, knew, I know that, I, that I've got to grow in my knowledge of God. But it, it, it really bothered me, the overemphasis on instantaneously getting your needs met. Now, let me say something. When God works a miracle, it is instantaneous. I understand that. But most of the miracles that we need in our life, God did something instantaneous for us, but we go through a process of renewing our mind and coming to believe it in our heart before it actually becomes workable for us. You know, I have a, I have a friend that I, I actually respect and, and this great guy helps a lot of people, but every time he ministers, he would make everybody in the audience believe that this is the final revelation. This is the thing that's going to cure all of your problems. It's going to fix everything in your life. And it amazes me, he has the ability to do that with almost every sermon that he preaches. And the, and the most amazing thing is people keep expecting it to be true. They keep thinking that today I'm going to get the one thing that's finally going to fix everything in my life. Well, you know what? Today we're going to be talking about what everybody needs, but nobody really wants. You know, I began to think about this. Actually, I started thinking about this several years ago. And I started thinking, though, uh, rethinking it recently, of all the things that the Bible tells us that we should be seeking. And there's a lot of things that the Bible tells you to seek. And there are actually things the Bible will tell you to seek, and then it'll tell you the priority uh, in which we should be seeking different things. It's amazing the things that we are seeking that's not even on the top 10 list of what the Bible tells us to seek. And, it's, and the things that the Bible tells us to seek are generally those things that will deal with our core issues, our root problems, so that we move past these things that just keep causing us to stumble over and over and over again. So, so we're going to start on a journey beginning today, and we're going to be talking about being 
the wisdom of God. Now, in America, we want our problems solved without us having to make any changes. We don't want to change how we think. We don't want to change how we believe. We don't want to change how we manage our life, but we want and based on what we've been taught and what we've come to believe, that, that if we have faith, then, then these things should happen. These, these, these problems should get solved. And, you know, that's sort of like, a, that's sort of like saying I'm, I'm, I'm out of gas and uh, I've got money in the bank but I'm going to sit here on the side of the road. I'm going to pray for God to, to supernaturally fill my gas tank. I'm not saying that can't happen. As a matter, matter of fact, I've, I've had experience, an experience where I drove all night long on an empty tank of gas. But now, as soon as I came to a gas station that was open, I pull over and fill up my gas tank. <clears throat> but that's kind of the way we are. Like, like I want to get everything in some miraculous way because if it's not miraculous, if it's not beyond my ability to understand it, then it's just not God or it's not spiritual. We've kind of got this wholesale Christianity where everything's a bargain and, and, and we're going to present it to you. We're going to package it in a way where, uh, you know, where, where it's easy to get no, no mess, no fuss, uh, uh, no sacrifice, nothing. Well, I want to tell you something. I'm on these things that God tells you to get, and, and, and this is one of these things that is not instantaneous. He says, get wisdom. Listen to this. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5 says this. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. Talking about wisdom. And she will preserve you. Love her and she'll keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. <clears throat> Man, you know, I can remember the first time that verse ever spoke to me. And I, and I realized this is one of those things that I need to be seeking with all of my heart. And if you read the book of Proverbs very much, you know that that's pretty much what it says. Seek wisdom. Now, we know that Jesus is the wisdom of God to us. But again, that is something that has been presented to us in such a mystical, hyper-spiritual way that it really doesn't benefit us. Jesus showed us and demonstrated the wisdom of God in the way he lived, the way he treated people, the way he ministered, and everything that he did. So if we look at Jesus and, and acknowledge that he is the perfect representation of God, and that if we choose to be godly, if we choose to be godlike, then we would pattern our lives after what he demonstrated. Only when Jesus becomes our model, only when he becomes our example, and only when we accept that what he showed us about God is, is really everything we need to know about God, only then does Jesus actually become the wisdom of God to us. You know, I've heard people quote that Jesus was the wisdom of God to them, and so they would make some big decision. It'd be a horrible decision. It'd fail, and you sit down and talk to them about it, and they violated, you know, a dozen scriptural principles in making that decision, but they, but they thought because, because that's how they felt they should do it, that they had the wisdom of God. Well, you know something? People who are watching this, if you're watching this today, you're not a person who thinks like that. Listen, people who walk with this ministry, people who make this journey that we're on, don't think that way. You know, 
you are not somebody who is just looking for a gimmick. You are not somebody who is just looking for a shortcut. If you were, you would not be listening to me. If you were, you would have already turned this off and you wouldn't even be hearing the word that I'm saying right now. I want to take you on a journey of being the wisdom of God. And so... <clears throat> We're going to just start with the most foundational thing, and we're going to go as far as we can. I'm telling you, this is one of these in-depth things that's going to be hard to cover it all in these cyber church uh, uh, meetings that we have. But I'm going to give you everything that I can. And, uh, and of course, we've got a great series that supports this that you can check out if you want to go deeper into this. Now, the way we perceive everything determines so much of what our understanding is. You see, everything that we see is altered by a veil of some kind. You know, the Bible talks about how that the children of Israel, the Jews, that they wore a veil over their eyes when they read the Word of God. Now, keep in mind, they, when he says they were reading the Word of God, he's talking about reading the, what we call the Old Testament. And then some people will say, well, that veil that's over their eyes is the Old Testament. No, 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 no. The veil and what they're reading are two separate things. And then he makes a reference to the law. Now, you've got to understand something. And this, this isn't where I'm going with this series, but you do have to understand this. Because you've got a lot of people today attacking the law of God, attacking the commandments and saying that they're no good. You know, Jesus came to fulfill, that word fulfill means to bring to the ultimate objective or the ultimate goal, the commandments of God. He, he said himself, I didn't come to do away with these. I came to fulfill them. I came to bring them to their ultimate goal, where it's not just something you're trying to do to please God, but it's a way of life for you. It is your character. It's who you are and you're doing it because you love people, you love God. And uh, so, so the veil of the law as a matter of fact, almost every time when you read about the law and the issues being with the law, what we don't understand is that the Torah, as the Hebrews would call it, that's the first five books of the Bible. They had the Torah, they had the prophets, they had the books of wisdom. In other words, they have the same Old Testament that we have. But, but they had something else that we don't have. They had what's called the Talmud. Now, the Talmud which is, even though it has a lot of wisdom in it, and I, I, and I actually enjoy reading a lot of aspects of the wisdom because I get to find out how ancient people understood certain aspects of God. But you have to also understand that the Jews exalted and, and developed a, a legal system or a system of law based on the Talmud, not based on the Torah. In other words, the Talmud was like a commentary or an interpretation of the Torah. And so the Talmud is, is what took, you know, 613 laws, uh, and that includes civil laws, health laws, relationship laws, spiritual laws, laws of sacrifice, all of the different aspects of, of the commandments, and turned them into a couple of thousand commandments and made it complicated and made it legalistic. It was no longer relational. Now it was about as about doing the right thing and, and approaching God religiously and all that kind of stuff. So that was the veil. And, and so 
So I want you to realize that we all wear a veil of some kind. It can be legalism. It can be mysticism. It can be our family culture. It can be our personal life experience. Uh, but we all have a veil of some kind that, that when we read the Word of God, we are filtering out much of what God intends because we have a preset way or we have a, a mindset that leads us to think certain ways. Now, the Western mindset, in other words, the way we think as Westerners, you notice I didn't say what we think, I said the way we think, is as much of a hindrance to us as what we think. In other words, how we think can be just as corrupt and just as devastating to, as what we think. And you heard me say this, I think I said this at the beginning of our last series that I began, is renewing your mind is as much about how you think as it is about what you think. Now, the person who just, uh, uh, no matter how sincere, how serious they are, they're approaching and dealing with the issue of what I think. So, they're, so they're, everything is about right or wrong. Now, I believe in absolute morals. I believe that God's morals, God's ethics, God's values are, are absolute. But as if you've been watching me for very long, you know, and you see this in the Word of God, um, truth is absolute, but the application of truth is variable. So, you know, there's a difference between, uh, between circumstantial uh, morals and uh, and and circumstantial ethics. There, there, there's a big difference. Morality is clear-cut, is absolute, it's, it is good or evil, it's right or wrong, this sort of thing. But ethics gets into uh, the discretion that has to be used when you're applying these absolute moral laws, these absolute moral truths. And part of our problem as Westerners is, is the way we think and, the, and our, pro, our predominant veil that is over our eyes is, is what I call a way of thinking, and it's what I call one-dimensional thinking. We have learned to think like the world. We have been taught to value what the world values. Now, <clears throat> 1 John 2, 15 says something that, that, honestly, this is one of those scriptures that it took, me a, it took me a long time to, to sort all of this out. And I, I'm not saying I've got it all sorted out, but I, I got a big piece of it sorted out. First John 2, 15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, first of all, when it talks about the love of the Father not being in him, I, I, it, I, as I understand that verse, it's talking about then it's not the love of the Father in him that is driving his behavior. That's driving his thoughts. In other words, the love of God is not his motivation when he loves the things that the world loves. Now keep in mind, the word love, and in this scripture, it's also the word agape. So, so when you see the word agape, you could replace that with just value. Because agape is about having value for someone or something or considering it precious or holding it in high regard. So, and when the scripture talks about the world, uh, 
we can understand in most cases it's talking about the world system, the way the world perceives things. So this scripture really could say this. It could say, don't love the world system or the things that the world loves or the things that are in the world or of the world because the person who has value for the world system, then the values of the Father are not in him, are not motivating, are not moving him. So the problem is we value what the world has taught us to value. You know, one of the things that the, uh, that the ancient Hebrews did was every family took it upon themselves to teach their children the Word of God and to teach them what it meant to walk in God's values and morals and ethics. And, and, and you know, we're not talking about some legalistic something. We're not talking about something of, of just a bunch of do's and don'ts. It was teaching their children how to live. Uh, I want to tell you something. Our society does not teach children how to live, and it does not teach children how to think. We send our children to school uh, to learn how to think. And we send them to school for eight hours a day, and then we send them to Sunday school for 30 minutes on the weekend, and that 30 minutes on the weekend is supposed to overcome that eight hours a day of learning how to think and value what the world values. Now, one of the things that the world values, and you know, there's a lot of places you could go with this. I am not saying I'm providing all the insight into this, but the world values knowledge and interestingly, rejects wisdom. Now, some of you heard me talk about this. You know, I was, I was born in 1951. And so I grew up in a world where when you went to work for someone, you basically went into a mentoring program or a developmental program. You know, one of my, one of my early jobs was working in an automobile body shop. And I started working in this body shop when I was probably in probably about the fifth grade, fifth or sixth grade. And, you know, you would go in and a guy who, a guy who had been working on, on, on automobile bodies his entire life, he would show you and how to, you know, how to mix Bondo. That's what you use to patch up the dents. And he'd show you how to pull dents out of cars. And, and he would show you how to do that. And then he would supervise you while you did this. So you didn't go to school to learn to do this stuff. You did this with a master, somebody who had done this all of their life. You know, years ago, uh, doctors were trained in hospitals. And it wasn't until Big Pharma came along and wanted to take control of how doctors thought and make it become theoretical and not so practical. And, and, and part of, of them accrediting and, and funding medical schools was that you couldn't study in hospitals anymore. So basically, and I'm not against doctors. I got great friends that are doctors. I got, got doctors that have kept me alive. Uh, but you have to realize today, most doctors, when they, when they graduate uh, from medical school, until they, you know, until they go through their residency program, they don't have any real practice. It's all theoretical. And then they run into a, a hospital and they have to take this theory and put it into practice. Well, you know something? That's not really a good way for anybody to learn anything. Because, but we have put a premium on knowledge but we have very little value uh, for wisdom. 
And one of the interesting things is more and more and more, we particularly value uh, specialized knowledge. In other words, people are specializing. It's, it's amazing. I'll talk to some of these teenagers, you know, and, and, and they're getting ready to graduate from high school or maybe a young adult's getting ready to graduate from college. And when they tell you what they want to spend their life doing, um, it's usually some tiny niche of, of specialized work that they're going to do. And that's really, all they're, that's really all they're going to do. And that's pretty much all they're capable of doing. That's all they've been trained for. And, and so in specialization, unless the person doing it is unique and studies and does research on their own, they know how to do their job, but they don't know how that job fits into the big picture. They don't, they don't understand how all the, all the pieces and parts come together. And so, I mean, just think about that in the medical perspective. That's why, that's why a doctor, uh, you know, one doctor that, that specializes in, in certain types of surgery will say, well, cut this organ out. You know, it's not that important. And well, he may not understand how important that is to the whole, to the function of the whole body. And so, so we've become a nation of people that love knowledge, but have little value for wisdom. Now, keep in mind, knowledge is information. And I'm not against information. God is not against information. I am not against a good education, but I'm going to tell you something. Knowledge without wisdom nearly always brings destruction in the end. Wisdom sees the big picture. Wisdom considers all of the parts and it especially perceives the outcome. So, Knowledge is about the bits and pieces of information. Wisdom is about the practical application of that information with the, with the uh, big picture in mind, with the, with the whole outcome in, in mind. And what I am realizing is that it's hard to teach the people the Word of God because we are one-dimensional thinkers. I, I made reference to this in my previous uh, in my previous series of messages that I just shared with you, how that how that we 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 have this tendency that whatever we hear preached today, that's pretty much it. We'll, we'll throw away. Uh, let me give you an example. You know, uh, when you look at the commandments, the commandments there's civil law, and so a lot of the commandments are just about how to have civil order. There are health laws that tells you how to manage your health. There are there are relationship laws. There are, you know our commandments, and so so you got all of these different categories. Now we, we we tend to lump all of the commandments into one thing, but but let's say that uh, for four weeks or six weeks I do a series on what the Bible teaches about how to live in health, and so I'm sharing all of these practical, put it in practice, natural things. Well. By the time that series is over, uh, most of those people are not going to be at a place to where they're going to seek healing when they get in a situation that's bigger than they can manage because all they're going to do is look at these practical applications. I could turn right around, wait six months to come back and preach a series on supernatural healing, and those people would throw away everything that they knew about practical application for health and healing and want everything to come by a miracle because we're one-dimensional thinkers. We have been trained to be one-dimensional uh, thinkers who only are capable of focusing on what is put in front of us at this very minute. And I'm not saying everybody is that way. I'm saying that is the trend of the Western world. You know, uh, wisdom sees the big picture. It sees all the parts. It especially perceives outcomes. 
Not just, I'm not talking about just outcomes, financial outcomes, business outcomes, but I'm talking about personal outcomes. How will this affect me? How will this affect my family? Wisdom perceived. Which path, and I'm making these decisions, which path is going to keep me in peace? Which path will lead me to living in harmony with God? Which path is the way of righteousness? See, wisdom knows and understands uh, what the very next step is that, that, that we need to take. Now listen to this. In that, in that same scripture we just read, it goes on in the very next verse. It says, For all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust thereof. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Now listen. This is just a brief introduction to a journey about being the wisdom of God. Now, why would we say being the wisdom of God? It sounds like it's just getting smart enough to be able to make these incredible decisions. Well, no. What you're going to discover is there's many components to wisdom. And we're going to talk about some of these components to wisdom. How we prepare our heart uh, to the different dimensions of wisdom. Because, you know, there is the dimension of wisdom that comes to renewing your mind, getting the right information. There's a dimension to wisdom that has to do with learning to make, just make good practical choices. There is a dimension to wisdom where your heart gets changed and alters the way you see things. But I'll tell you something, there's a dimension to wisdom where you hear the voice of God in your heart and all those pieces come together. You see, you can't just get wisdom from any single aspect of these things. It is multi-dimensional. And if you want to have the kind of wisdom where, where you, your life works, where the Word of God works, where truth really works for you. And that's what you want to get to. You want, a matter of fact, let me tell you something. Most of the things that we are seeking to obtain through miracles, the Bible actually tells us that we should pursue those things because, uh, through wisdom. And, and it shows us how that wisdom will be a prevention to you. Whereas if you don't have wisdom, you're in trouble all the time and you're needing a miracle. Listen, if I'm in trouble over and over and over again, then it tells me I am not using wisdom in my life. And, and yeah, praise God you can get a miracle. Praise God He always wants to be there to deliver you. But I'm going to tell you something. At some point in time, getting a miracle, your faith is going to fail you. And you're not going to be able to see it through till the end. Whereas with wisdom, you can always see the situation through to the end. I'm going to take you on a journey that's not about collecting information and doing the wisdom of God. It's not about collecting information and knowing the wisdom of God. It's not about collecting information and get smart enough for the wisdom of God. But I want to take you on a journey because this is so holistic. Remember, it's about learning. It's about renewing your mind. It's about establishing your heart. It's about hearing the voice of God, which means it's about being. It's not just about doing. Listen, I haven't mentioned this to you in, in months probably, but I want to say this real quick. First of all, be sure if you're watching this on YouTube to like it and subscribe to this YouTube channel. It calls other people all over the world to get to see that it increases our ratings uh, and the viewership every time you do that. But also, I want to encourage you, 
If you would like to help me change the way the world sees God, if you would like to help me start Bible schools all over the world, I want you to go to impactministries.com and, and let's talk about being a world changer, someone who financially helps me take God's Word and start Bible schools all over the world. And if you're interested in this series on being the wisdom of God, then you can uh, go to my website, look at the slider, and I'm going to tell you something, this is a powerful, powerful series. But this is not a quick fix. This is not, I am not telling you that this is, oh, hey, I'm going to give you a formula and bam, suddenly you're going to have all of your problems worked out. No, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I, I'm, I'm going to put you into a mentoring program. I'm going to put you into a program where you, where you walk this thing out and you become the wisdom of God and your whole world changes because of it. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.